Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, and thank you so much for your support. We are on site right now. Right this very moment, we're going to be here for a week. We are in Austin, Texas, and we are at the OMG fourth quarter. I think it's the standards group, and everybody's chirping about how to be uh, uh, how to how to use standards to make our life better. Because this platform right here, right here, right now, this platform is dedicated to you because you are bold, you are brave, you're Derek greatly. You are changing lives, and you are changing the world. That's why we celebrate industry professionals all around the world on this platform. It is never too soon. Mitch is in the house, and it has been just an absolute joy to be able to corner him into a conversation. Let's get cracking. Mitch, thank you. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here. Are you having a a good... It can't even... This is not a conference. This is not a conference. This is is a... It is a gathering. Is it? Is yeah, a, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's all the all the experts, all the brains you can over here. Did you see that those light wave emitted from the people here in the room? I'm telling you, it is. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, and it's you know, it's a good feeling, Mitch, because uh, I'm not the smartest, which is not really a hurdle, <laughs> but I'm not the smartest guy in the room by any stretch of the imagination. And I and I think what you and and the rest of the the OMG uh, contributing members do is truly special work and it is because you you're you're establishing and it goes across the board there's multiple organizations that are talking about standards that impact these these important technologies the innovations and 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 just making things better so that's 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 my that's my soapbox for today there mitch (laughs) all right before we get a kraken with the conversation give us a little background on who mitch is Oh, hi. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Mitch, Mitch Zeng. I am uh, a consultant. I have my own consulting firms, and, but I have been following the development of the communication industry. I started uh, when I was young. <laughs> I started as a wireless communication for Nortel Tech Networks, and then uh, I'll go to Nokia. Right. So after that, oh. my career is actually kind of riding on the success of the, the, the wireless communications. But when the world is actually engaging in the development of standards like 2G, 3G, 4G, which is I get heavily involved with, um, I, I contribute to that part. But then when the world is going to the 5G, I actually find my new love, that is IoT. At that time, we don't call it IoT. We call it machine-to-machine communications, M2M. So I kind of changed the venue a little bit. I left Nokia and then started my own consulting firm and started working on this uh, one M2M. There's one organization to start all the today's uh, IoT work. They focus on the middleware definitions. And then later on, I joined IIC, which is the, the main uh, body that I'm doing right now. It's part of the OMG, and I've been a major contributor for that organization. And, and I got to tell you guys, I mean, it would be interesting to, it, you would never know, but it would be interesting to know where we would be without organizations like OMG and what you, you're doing because you're helping facilitating this this progress, this this adoption of uh, of technology and innovation just because, well, we need it. You know, industry needs it. We need it in a big way. And we need to be able to have standards that sort of put those bumpers around it and say this is what you need to do and have that common lexicon. What's the problem we're dealing with? What What is that challenge that we're dealing with today with uh, IIoT and all of that stuff. What are we What are we dealing with? 
There are a couple of things. Uh, the, we started about, mainly about 10, 12 years ago that that's when we uh, tried to exploit what is the machine-to-machine communication is. Originally, people thought that's just some kind of silica, uh, system on chip, and that would be, you can build devices, and then later on, people found that, oh, we just built a bunch of sensors, and then if we can connect to those sensors, if we can process that, then we can build this uh, IoT, the Internet of Things, which is a, a big buzzword. Oh, yeah, seven it's a miscellaneous years. file that I'm <laughs> yeah, telling you right now. Yeah, seven years ago. Yeah. When you talk to the, the IoT, you can even pick up a girl in the bar when you talk about IoT, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> He's here till Friday. <laughs> yeah, until Friday, yes. <laughs> but then the, the, the thing is that uh, gradually uh, in, in the IIC, we started uh, building the, the framework document. We try to try to build a systematic way and the guidelines and, and those, uh, well, we don't call it standards per se, but then it's kind of pretty, pretty much the, the, the rule that you should follow if you want to build an IoT in a very systematic fashion. So we have been engaging in those parts, and then t- on the top of that, we have uh, many white papers. And then the most successful ones that we're doing is actually the, through the, this so-called testbed process. And right now, I'm in IIC, I'm also serving as the, the chair of the testbed council. Right? What we do is that, that we get the ideas from the people, and then uh, turn them into reality, and then we do the testbed and test drive to prove that the idea actually works. And, and that's important. <clears throat> Nobody really wants to take a test drive and have them be the guinea pig of whatever technology that is being promoted at the time. And, and But again, it, so you painted a picture that all of a sudden everybody is like, hey, yeah, now we can have our equipment communicate with equipment and, you know, and, and be able to do that. And I'm going to plop a device there, plop a device there, plop a device there, and, and then be able to just sort of magically be able to collect all that data and, and uh, not just sort of dig up the whole world and running cables and everything. And that's where you, you shine. Yeah, that, that's how we started because uh, in the conventional uh, communication world, that of course, you know the wires and cables. And then when we go to the, the IoT, all of a sudden the wireless become the major part of the carrier yeah, for right. that part. And of course, uh, the wireless industry, and uh, along with the 5G development, we have a lot of our colleagues and those are major telecom vendors. They're talking, they're bragging about, oh, by year 2020, there'll be 53 billion, with a B, uh, 53 billion devices, right? And of course, uh, recently I talked to my colleagues from that same company. They kind of downplay a little bit. They say, well, maybe by 2023, there'll be 27 billion. Still, <laughs> still a big number. But the thing is that, how do we see that? Because you probably, actually, uh, like today, you, you probably run into a lot of IoT devices, but you just don't feel it, right? And then the, I think the industry has been hold on, hold engaging don't, don't, don't gloss over that. You're saying, hey, we've got a lot of IoT devices out there, but we don't feel it. What do you mean by that? Well, the, the devices may be hidden somewhere, right? Just like around you. People thought that the IoT device is just your cell phone. No, it's more than that, right? Just like inside, the, inside this hotel, for example, there are so many sensors over there, even like a... Those are like smoke detectors, whatever. They're all connected, right, in the modern hotel. And then, of course, like when you and, go to and elevator. And my thermostat. Your thermostat, yeah. People <laughs> in actually, my room. <laughs> yeah, people are always talking about that part. But the, the <laughs> truth is, in IoT, you actually, you need to focus on the verticals. And unfortunately, this is also the part got uh, overlooked by many vendors, right? For example, like uh, I'm a capable engineer, and then I design some wonderful board, and I can talk to some sensors and with some communications, and they thought, oh, I am in IoT business. But the truth is, yeah. when you have device and then you don't have a service associated with that, right? the device is just a, just a piece of metal, a piece of the, the electronics equipment lying on your shelves. So in, I, in IIC, we learned it a few years back. So 
So if today you're in the IoT business and then you you feel like you're not successful, that's probably you didn't reach out to us by then because otherwise we will tell you that IoT is not a traditional business. The one like the traditional one means like the you buy one, you I mean you design one and sell millions. IoT turned out to be a very it requires a lot of customization, and also when you got the idea, it's not enough. You need to have a business model behind that. You need to build a business in the we call the verticals. From one end to the other means like from the service on the top, all the way down to the sensor and actuators. You need to make sure that everything is there, right? Otherwise, you have no business. So that's why a lot of people try and flop. Yeah, there, there were it, it was sort of this gold rush. Well, it is because is well, there's a group of smart engineers. They think that they can do electronics and they can make computers. And they know the communications, so, so they know to do how to do IoT. But the truth is, every every uh, every customers, uh, every customers when they want to have IoT services, their demand will be different, right? And normally, when I talk about this uh, uh, vertical, the vertical services, right, vertical, I always focus on like you have uh, the service, whatever you want to provide, and at the end you have uh, some sensors. But in between, all the necessary links need to be there. Then. So when you have somebody ask you to do something, then how do you check? You actually you're running the business. Uh, you you have a successful design or services. I normally advise people that you check on two things. Now, one is the data flow, data flow, because when in the last century we talk about or last century, or not that far away, right? The last century we talk about communications means we connecting devices, connecting terminals. But now we have a new concept. We are moving data. Think about it. It's like yeah, whatever yeah. we're doing, we actually just try to get the data moved, and so you in the design yeah. the, the vertical. Okay. You, the first thing you check the data flow. Once the data flow is there, then that means your design is okay. But the other thing I think is much more important, but didn't uh, put being uh, put uh, enough emphasis on by the designer is that the cash flow. The cash flow means I am building a service, and if a service. Without being financed or being paid, then it's a debt service, right? So, and then we are in business. We are not in charity, right? We're not in charity. So, you need to make sure that when you design a service, you make sure all the cash flow are there. Be careful on this part because sometimes the end user may not be the direct payer for the service. Now, one example is like I'd say, now in Dallas area, we have some insurance company. They will help me put a dongle in my car. And what they do is that they want to monitor my driving habits to yep. determine yep. my insurance rate next next year. I'm the end user, but the people who actually pay for the services is actually the insurance companies, right? And those things tend to be overlooked because people they they're designing the system, but they kind of forgot to talk about it. I need to talk to my uh, client. I don't need to talk to the people who want the services, and to understand their need, to understand their pain, and that unfortunately uh, caused a lot of uh, business to become. Unsuccessful. So this is interesting. A couple of points that I, I thought was uh, it, it, it's it's interesting that if you can just sort of like moving data, yeah, right? and it is. It's yeah. just from this device, whatever it might. Let's say a motor, <clears throat> getting it into wherever that 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 end point. Yep. And in between, there's just hands off, and there's just you've got to map that all out because I know that there are a number of companies that are just saying, "Hey, we've got a device, and that device sits right there." Yep. And I got that. And now I'm an IoT company, but I but it just sits there. Yep. There's so many other. 
do you think there's a value or a, a benefit if I was a company that offered from that whole vertical? Like if I came to you and say, hey, Mitch, I, I see that I got, I got to get into the IoT game or IIoT or whatever the game, uh, but I, I don't want to just sort of parse it out. Mm-hmm. I, I just need to have that complete picture. Yes. Is that the way to go? Actually, that's what, that would be the way I recommend it, right? Because uh, you, you can have like a the break it apart so you can have a multiple supplier for stuff. That's okay. Right? If you, if you, by doing so, if you can lower your cost, by all means doing that. But the, the, my, my worry is that the, 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 the design, because what your customer really want, right? They may not, they may not be able to well document it. So that means like if you just get a, get a, a contract, a book about what they want, and at the end, they may feel want you to do a little adjustment over there. And then sometimes when you design a, after you design a system, it may, be, may, not, be impos- may, may not be possible to, to do those modifications without, without causing a lot of ch- changes and delays, right? So my recommendation would be, yes, you probably should focus on whatever you're doing, and then you build it in an end-to-end fashion, and then you try to talk to your customer closely, right? Just like I'd say, maybe, well, invite them to a Sunday night dinner or whatever, Right, just make sure you maintain a good relation and you understand what they really want. Is, is, is there a value of uh, sort of incrementally approaching a project? Let's say, okay, we see that this is sort of a low-hanging fruit. This would be great to be able to collect data off of this particular asset and run it all the way through and get it into whatever the, the form that we need to get it into and be able to perform the analytics and then, ta-da, you see it. Is it, because I know that there are a lot of, well, challenges, a lot of stories that uh, float around out there that it didn't go as well. That's right. I've got a bitter taste in my mouth about IoT and these projects or whatever it might be. I would want to go for some victories and say, see, I got it. And then I got this. And the ROI's there. And we able to get it. And you know, be able to do that. Yes, yeah, Scott, that's a, actually it's a million-dollar observation you just had. Uh, many years ago, people kind of got hung into this uh, platform. Right? You, you see like a... Whoever company actually provides something there, they will say, I have an IoT platform. I can do whatever uh, you want for that. Yeah. But turn out that the, the IoT, the so-called platform, yes, they can provide some kind of uh, general capabilities. But on the other hand, I mentioned earlier, IoT is actually a very highly customized business. So your platform may be, may be okay um, for now. But what if like the, the, the project, just as you said, they want to have some kind of incremental changes and they might want to step up for another, another step, then will your platform be viable for, to support that, yeah. right? Because if you design the platform become very generic at the very, at the very beginning, yeah. it may be over, an overkill for many of the small projects. Uh. On, the other hand, on the other hand, if, you, if your platform is not generic enough, right, then uh, you you actually end up like a, you, lo- you lost your capability for expansion. So where, where is the trade-off? Ah, that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, you're, 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 you're hitting on all cylinders. We've got cash flow. We've got uh, moving data. And, and I love the point that you're, you're, you're pinging on customization. Mm-hmm. And, and it is highly customizable. It not is. everything. And so you need to be able to have that vertical capabilities that, that, that has that flexibility. But go into it at the beginning, right? Yep. It's saying, okay. We're here, but we're going to probably go here and just be able to, can it do that? Mm-hmm. Be able to have that more macro view of what you're, where you're going and what you're trying to accomplish. Yep. For the listeners out there, let's talk a little bit about um, 
you 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 came up to me and you said six G. <laughs> My favorite I, subject. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, <clears throat> let's change gears on that just because I want to know. Help me and help the listeners. Teach us a little bit about one five G. What is that all about? And then be able to take that bridge and go to six G. Okay. So what sort of walk us through that? Right in the. Uh the telecom evolution is start from 2G, which is I start my career. 2G, 3G, 4G. They all focus on the network evolutions, right? So you provide a, uh, you provide a better services. Uh, for example, you, you provide a, from changing from sending text to you be able to streaming data. And then uh, when you go to 4G, you can do the, the broadband, the broadband services, right? So a lot of, actually a lot of people ask me that, okay, when we go to 5G, what does the industry brought to me as an end user? I would say yes. This broader band experience, uh, broader broader band means like in 4G we already call it this called a broadband services, and now it's broader because the bandwidth has become bigger. And the one that uh, you probably don't feel much, but then the truth is, in 5G you actually uh, not only that you can downloading the down, downloading the data real fast, your uploading stream is actually much faster than 4G as well. Uh, if you got a true 5G, right? Then, oh, you just popped in and said true 5G. <laughs> my, my cell phone right here says 5G on it. How do I know that that's a true 5G? Yeah, be. yeah you got something that you can do, to do a little bit of testing and then uh, for those parts. But the, th the, truth is, <laughs> the truth is that, uh, yeah, so now you see that a lot of the people that are doing the, like, the, the media, the individual people, they are using wireless communications and then they provide the media, they upload the stream for those. That actually is one, I would say, the major contributing factors for, for 5G, right? Now, but the challenge is that in 5G, when it was designed, they actually has three goals in mind. The, this is, they're called the EMBB, Extended Mobile Broadband Services, or Mobile Broadband, that's one. And that one actually proven to be great. But there are two other things. One is called the URLC, Ultra Reliable, Ultra Reliable the, uh, Communications. And the third one is a MMTC. It's massive machine type communications. The URLC provide a very robust services for the network and originally they are targeted to uh, automotive, like self-driving right. uh, automotive. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, also yeah. like a, maybe a remote yeah. surgery, right? You can do that. Yeah, and then that, that's a very important. And then the MMTC is actually targeting for targeting IoT. But then- Ah, right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, but then the, I, th I think like the industry may be struggling a little bit right now. Uh, there are several things that is, that is a, the, the, auto, the URLC, the technology is great, but the applications and the law, the regulations, they didn't catch up yet. This autonomous driving, for example, it, it will be a great thing that if we use a very reliable network for that, like 5G. But the thing is that the, 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 the registration, for example, when you have a, and a self-drive or autonomous car vehicle got involved in the accident and, and you've proven that uh, the vehicle is at fault, then who is liable for that, right? And right now I heard that uh, in Germany, just this week, I heard that in Germany, like Mercedes, they actually, they, they claim that uh, yes, they will be responsible for those parts. If their car, if their autonomous car get involved in the, in the accident, then they will, they will take care of that. Uh, that's what I heard. I haven't really checked it out yet, but the, I do know that Japan, Japan is the only country I know of they actually put in the legislation. When there is a, a when there's an accident involved the autonomous car and then the autonomous car is approving the fault, it is the car manufacturer is liable for that. So so you can see that people are talking about these autonomous vehicles and then for those parts, 
But I would say right now, at most, would be like a level two, level three kind of added advanced driving assist. And then when you really want to go to the full, full autonomous car, they would require a little bit. And that, of course, that hurts our industry, right? And then the, the reliability the, the, for the remote surgeries part, Right, it's very important, oh, 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 yeah. right? You don't want to, like yeah, I yeah. said, there's a jitter. You don't jitter. want latency. You don't want you. You want to be on the money on that. Yeah, originally you want to cut a tumor, but just because of this jitter, and then you cut the artery. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and you then, don't want that. And then, of course, the liability on that one, the risk of liability on that one, kill, yeah. kill it, right? So the URLC is struggling. And then the third part on this um, massive uh, machine type communications, they, the industry found that uh, there are multiple. What the access solutions for IoT, and some of them are some of them are actually a, a lower cost compared with the, the the wireless communications, the cellular ones. So how do you how do you kind of define your niche, and to, to make sure that you can provide a much better service compared with other access technologies, then you, it's something that you need to look into. And the solution by the industry right now is a focus on the so-called the, the private network. The private net, right? The private network approach, so that you can have a, in a controlled environment, and you provide a oh. services for like a smart factories, right? Smart factories, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah, yeah. So those are the things that uh, we were looking for for right now. Okay. So, but 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 again, six G. So you got five G. I get it. You gotta, now, where's the six G part come in? The the interesting part is that uh, we we talk all of this two G, three G, four G, five G. We all talk about networks, right? Because this right. is this is this is kind of game like the the network operators and network vendors, they they've been put a lot of emphasis on. But then the question is, network itself does not really produce value by itself. It will be like the, whatever services that run on the network will be that will be the one, right? Generate the value. For example, you can build a twenty lane highways, right? If you don't have enough services on the on that part. Then you're not going to generate revenue on that one. So right now in 6G, we have noticed that there are a couple of things. Number one is that the, the frequency band we want to deal with is getting higher and higher. And like even in 5G, we talk about this uh, millimeter waves. Millimeter waves, you have uh, services that are above 24 gigahertz to, to maybe 100 gigahertz. The, the cell site is actually much smaller than the conventional cellular services. Right? People are talking about maybe 100 meters, 200 meters. Right, compared with the three to five miles in the in the, in the five, sub sub six G uh, network services, yeah. Then and also then people also talking about the terahertz sub terahertz. <laughs> and when you go to that part, the cell site may be within ten meters, right? So that means that like, your conventional network architecture may need to be rethink. So one one challenges I have for the wireless network operator is that the, your network management scheme. How are you going to modify this? Right, the private network may still work, but what about others? Others. So what we have been talking in uh, with a group of people in the in North America right now, and there's another organization called the Next Generation Alliance. Uh, they started about two years ago. They focus on what kind of services that the net, the, the 6G should provide. And one thing we have been driving is called uh, is called uh, the immersive digital world experience, immersive digital world experience. Mm. And okay. in this case, we are going to provide a lot of sensors, a lot of uh, actuators, maybe uh, just to try to build up an environment that you are living in it, 
with all the devices surrounding you, right? Then, uh, oh, and then oh, you, yeah, I get the picture. Then so so you you actually you provide a, a great services for for you, and then you don't even notice that. And of course, we are talking about the future, and also people ask me about like the privacy stuff. Uh, then I think that there are some things that we can work on. And one example I have is that the, I, right now we're targeting like a six Gs by 2030, and I'm trying to picture myself in 2035. I'm retired. I retire in the retire, stay in the retirement home, and then all my rooms actually with a lot of sensors. They help provide all the facilities for me to help me, right? Then they'll be great. Right, and that, that that's how we provide this uh, brand digital world experience. And of course, you, the the interfaces, uh, the machine interfaces, will be done by a lot of this XR or AR, VR, high high resolution uh, images, like holographic, whatever stuff. <laughs> and 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 that would be like a something to to help you to facilitate your living. And of course, the same technologies can be applied to manufacturing. Right, so that, yeah. so you get a facelift on the smart factory. The people no longer need to wear those heavy goggles. You can have other stuff that can help you. So, the the work environment will be kind of blend in with you, right? That that's our objective we're thinking about. I th- I thought you kind of get a goosebump on that one. <laughs> I, I, I I'm just telling you, I am. I I really am. I mean, you you you've hit on moving data, cash flow, which is important. I like this immersive world. Next gen alliance services, digital world. I, you were just look at that. You're making me a better person, there, Mitch. Well, immersive well, digital world experience. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> I, I, I might be staying at a Holiday Inn, but uh, <laughs> I feel like I can do this stuff. Yep. Well, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. There's a lot going on, and you're right at the, the tip of the sword on this stuff. At least you know how to talk it. You know this stuff, don't you? I have been trying to do that. I try to be evangelist for this. There he is, 6G evangelist right there. He's the one that came out, not me. I didn't. I, I have it down on my notes, but he's the one that said it. That's Mitch, 6G evangelist. How do people get a hold of you, Mitch? Uh, you can reach me uh, through the email. Uh, the, the best way to reach that because I travel a lot. So it's a Mitch at T-I-N-F-O, info serve, I-N-F-O-S-E-R-V.com. There it is, man. I'm going to have all the contact information for Mitch out there, so don't don't you fret. Go out to Industrial Talk, reach out to Mitch, and as you can tell, he knows a lot, and you will not be disappointed. Mitch, you were wonderful. I enjoyed the talk, and the pleasure is mine. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's on on this side. All right, listeners, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. Please stay tuned. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, and absolutely thank you very much for your continued support. We're building a platform, a platform that is a collection of problem solvers, passionate about education, passionate about collaborating, and definitely, definitely passionate about innovating so that you are a success. It's all out there on Industrial Talk. Thank you to Mitch. In, I'm on his stat card out there on LinkedIn, and you can tell he's right in the middle, right in the middle of all of this innovation. He's thinking, and his team and his community thinking through all of the interesting challenges that exist to help us succeed. Right there, Mitch, I'm pointing at it right there. Again, industrial talk is here for you. It's here for industrial professionals. It's here for Young people deciding on what to do because I'm telling you right now, we've got to inspire. Mitch inspires. 
You inspire. Your knowledge, your insights, your your passion comes through. We just got to keep going because it is there is no room for failure here. You need to succeed, and that's what Industrial Talk is all about. It is a platform for you so that you can educate, so that you can continue to learn, by the way. You can collaborate, and you can definitely innovate and find out what's going on. The latest and greatest delivered to you by the best around the world. All right, be bold, be brave, dare greatly. We're going to have all the contact information for Mitch out on Industrial Talk and hang out with him because you'll change the world. Thank you once again for joining, and we're going to have another great conversation shortly, so stay tuned.